So this is the fifth Sunday of the month, which means it's uh, worship together. And so we had, obviously, showcasing some of our talented youth uh, leading us in worship. A hand for them. And uh, also, the service will be, hopefully, more or less youth-friendly. Um, that's, that's a little bit of a joke, but it's also a reality, because not only um, are we just beginning to find out about what's going on with uh, Tracy's husband, but this whole week um, has been, been crazy, uh, because, you know, yet another mass shooting at a school uh, in Uvalde, Texas, and it's been, uh, a, a, sadly, it's awful because all of us hopefully are um, deeply wounded by this and, and really, you know, heartbroken, um, especially just following uh, a few other shootings, and yet it's, 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 it's bizarre that uh, the nation is more divided now um, than we were before they happened, which is, which is strange. It's, it's very disturbing. One of the reasons that's happening um, is because there has, there's, there's been a, a divide that's developed in between people of faith um, and people who are um, fully secularized. And this has actually caused some tension. I don't go on social media uh, because it, it, it depresses me, um, but I did see a, a video by... Um, uh, a press conference that uh, the Golden State Warriors coach Steve Kerr uh, gave um, the the day after uh, or the day of the Uvalde uh, shooting, and I, I think it's actually really instructive for us because it, it helps us see how we are viewed um, by those who do not believe uh, uh, in in anything, um, or at least not in God. And so I, I just want you to take a look at it. It's, it's about two minutes long, um, and it, and this is this is this is the perspective that is going on in, in the country right now. And if you are on social media, you've seen it uh, because people are, are, are yelling at each other. But if we have that uh, ready, I, I'd, I'd just like to begin with this. Um, I'm not going to talk about basketball. Nothing's uh, happened with our team in the last six hours. We're going to start the same way tonight. Um, any basketball questions uh, don't matter. Um, since we left shoot-around, 14 children were killed 400 miles from here. And a, and a teacher. And in the last 10 days, we've had elderly black people killed in a supermarket in Buffalo. We've had Asian churchgoers killed in Southern California. And now we have children murdered at school. When are we going to do something? I'm tired. I'm, I'm so tired of getting up here and offering condolences to, to the devastated families that are out there. I'm so tired of the, excuse me, I'm sorry, I'm tired of the moments of silence. Enough. There's 50 senators right now who refuse to vote on H.R. 8, which is a background check rule that the House passed a couple of years ago. It's been sitting there for two years. And there's a reason they won't vote on it, to hold on to power. So I ask you, Mitch McConnell, I ask all of you senators who refuse to do anything about the violence and school shootings and supermarket shootings, I ask you, are you going to put your own desire for power ahead of the lives of our children 
and our elderly and our churchgoers because that's what it looks like. It's what we do every week. So I'm fed up. I've had enough. We're going to play the game tonight. But I want every person here, every person listening to this, to think about your own child or grandchild or mother or father or sister or brother. How would you feel if this happened to you today? We can't get numb to this. We can't sit here and just read about it and go, well, let's have a moment of silence. Yeah, go Dubs, you know. Come on, Mavs, let's go. That's what we're going to do. We're going to go play a basketball game. And, and 50 senators in Washington are going to hold us hostage. Do you realize that 90% of Americans, regardless of political party, want background check, universal background check? 90% of us, we are being held hostage by 50 senators in Washington who refuse to even put it to a vote, despite what we, the American people, want. They won't vote on it because they want to hold on to their own power. It's pathetic. I've had enough. That video went viral. It's had um, over 70 million views. And I, I, I really I have no idea if uh, what if he's right or wrong about any of the stuff about senators or bills or laws. Um, but, but did you notice, um, obviously someone very passionate, uh, but, but did you notice how sick and tired uh, Steve Kerr is of moments of silence? You know, moments of silence, actually, uh, that they, they, were, they replaced prayer. Because it used to be that when uh, terrible things happened, uh, people would, would, would pray uh, as, and as a nation, we would pray. But that um, was deemed not inclusive enough because there are people who uh, don't believe in God. And so instead of having a time of prayer, now we have a time of a moment of silence. And during that moment of silence, if you are a, a person of faith and you're, you're expected or allowed to pray, but it's, uh, it's, it's, but Steve Kerr, what does he think is actually happening during those moments? Nothing. Steve Kerr thinks that when we bow our heads and we pray to God, nothing's happening. All that's happening is we're maybe uh, well-wishing, you know? And, and, and moreover, the reason that we're doing it is to get ourselves off the hook of having to do anything real, right? We pray so we don't have to act. It's in God's hands now, Yes? Well, I think the Bible actually um, confronts this attitude. I think it's a real thing, and I think, and, and in some ways, I, I think that Steve Kerr is, is right. There, there are ways in which, and we'll see it here in this text, that there are Christians who are not you know, praying well, but there is a way to pray, and there is a type of prayer that absolutely 100% goes against everything that Steve Kerr thinks. 
And so let's look at this text together. Uh, Just the background, this is uh, Jesus preparing uh, to be crucified. This is the night before his crucifixion. He's he's gone to the Garden of Gethsemane, um, and he he brings a couple of of his disciples, and he's going to pray as he prepares for what's about to come. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. Uh, Hold on to that sit here, because we're going to come back to it. He took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, James and John. And began to be grieved and agitated. He said to them, My soul is deeply grieved, even to death. Please stay here and stay awake with me. And going a little farther, he threw himself on the ground and prayed, My father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet not what I want, but what you want. Then he came to his disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So you couldn't stay awake for an hour. Stay awake now and pray that you may not come into the time of trial. The spirit indeed is willing. I know your heart's in the right place, but the flesh is weak. Again, he went away for a second time and prayed, Father, if, if, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. Notice that shift there. First, it's, God, please don't make me do this. Now it's, God, okay, this is happening. Um, your will be done. He again came and found Peter and James and John sleeping. Their eyes were heavy. They've just had the Last Supper. They're full, uh, and, and they have a food coma, and it's, it's too much um, to be with Jesus right now. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same things. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, are you still sleeping, taking your rest? Well, guess what? Now the hour is at hand. The Son of Man, I'm about to to be betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up. Let's go. Look, my betrayer is here. The first thing to notice in this text is the extent to which Jesus isn't just saying stuff to God. Jesus, when, when Jesus prays, it's something different maybe than what we're used to. Alright? Notice it says he's grieved and agitated. My soul is deeply grieved, even to death. He throws himself on the ground and prays. Father, if it's possible, don't make this crucifixion happen, this, this torture and this death. But, but not what I want, what you want. Over the last uh, year, I'm not a crier for the most part. For the most part, the only time I cry typically is when I'm watching uh, Black Hawk Down. And that's because, for, uh, maybe some of you guys get this, where it's like, when, nor- normally like people falling in love, great. But when someone, you know, and I watch a story, a true story about heroism and sacrifice um, in, in, in the face of impenetrable odds, that, that gets to me. That, that, that can tug my, but normally I'm not a crier. However, this past year, as you know, uh, my, my dad died. He, uh, he, he died on June 8th, so his, the one-year anniversary is coming up. And so over the course of this year, I've had a number of times where uh, unexpectedly or expectedly, I've just begun sobbing. Um, and, and what I've noticed about it is, is that it's a, it's a full-body, fully-embodied action, right? When I'm sobbing, it's... And, and like... And, uh, it's really, it's, it's almost, in some cases, it's almost violent, the way that my body shakes, and um, I feel my heart race, and um, I, and it's just, you know, tears pour out. One of the interesting things that we've found um, from the, the sciences is that when we cry, when we, when we grieve like that, and not just crying, but anytime we engage our body, 
um, we actually, our bodies release different um, chemicals. And when we're grieving, when we're sobbing, for example, oxytocin um, is one of them that, that comes out that, that, that gives us a sense of peace. It gives us a sense of well-being. And so, so, so deeply engaging your body in the action of praying actually causes something to change in your mind. And so it's, it's very odd then, it's odd that we as, um, as North American evangelical Christians, when we pray, we don't do anything. Uh, in fact, all throughout scripture, if you look at the way that people pray, it's an embodied action. And that's because God knows. God's designed us to be not just thinkers, um, but, but feelers and, 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 and movers. I think the, the best prayer of, of, in this way that I know is my wife. Uh, she, when she wants to pray, what does she do? She goes for a run. And we know that exercise actually does things to the brain. It releases um, some chemicals. And, and so as, as she's praying, she's engaged physically in the action. She's pouring out her heart, her emotion. She's not just saying, God, I feel really bad for Tracy right now. Can you help her? And that's the first thing in your note sheets. We have to change in some ways the way we pray. Because Jesus' prayer uses the whole body and mind. See, what Steve Kerr and what our culture despisers think, kids, is that what all we're doing when we're praying, we're just, you know, we're just, we're just talking, we're thinking, that's it. But our body, our emotions, those aren't a part of prayer. And as a result... As a result, we are not praying the way Jesus prayed. I'm not saying you need to flop all over the ground while you're praying. That would be weird and uncomfortable. <laughs> In some cases, you couldn't get up. <laughs> we'll help you, Jack. We'll be there. Uh, but there has to be, there needs to be some kind of, of full engagement because that's how we were designed. That's the way God made us. And that's why Jesus exemplifies this in his prayer. That's why throughout scripture, you're going to see people doing stuff while they pray. The next, all right, so, so that's, that's the Jesus' prayer. Jesus' prayer is fully engaged emotionally, psychologically, uh, in, in bodily, uh, and cognitively. It's, it's all of that. It's all together, um, and, it, and it's an action. It's an action, right? Well, what is another type of prayer? What's the type of prayer that Steve Kerr thinks we're doing, and maybe he's right? Well, I think it's Peter prayer. Check this out. He came to the disciples. Did you notice, remember, he says, sit here to the disciples, uh, that's a, he's encouraging them to take part in a Jewish tradition called sitting shiva. Sitting shiva is what you do when someone has gone through something horrible and words can't help. Okay, you can't go to the people and to the parents in Uvald and say, God's got a plan for your life, don't worry about it. Okay, if that's what you're doing, you're doing a bad job. Uh, instead, when people are going through horror, there's, there's nothing to say. And all you can do is be with. And if they want to talk, okay, that's sitting shiva. And Jesus asks Peter, James, and John, he's like, I, he literally asks them for thoughts and prayers. He's literally like, I want thoughts and prayers. Just stay there, thoughts and prayers for me. Uh, keep me in mind because I'm going through a horrible uh, time right now. And, and, and if you can, pray, but just be with me. That's all I'm asking. What does he find? He finds them sleeping. Could you not stay awake one hour? Stay awake and pray that you do not come into the time of trial. 
Peter, I know you've got the right heart. It's your body that's a problem. You notice this? I, I remember um, there's been a number of times where I've said, oh, I'm going to pray. I'm going to do some praying right now. And so I, I take off my clothes. I get into bed. I get warm. I lay back. Oh, God, my God, whom I shall... Do you see the physical importance of your, your, your body when we pray? He found them sleeping. Their eyes were heavy. It's not like bad intentions. You know, Peter and the boys, they, they, they wanted to do the right thing. They wanted to be with Jesus. They wanted to pray. But... Now imagine, imagine what would happen. So things went badly for Jesus and for the disciples over the next day. Um, but imagine that they hadn't. Imagine that, that the disciples had, had uh, come, come down uh, from the garden afterwards. It was just a normal day. And they see the other disciples, and the other disciples like, hey, man, wh- where'd you guys go? And it's like, well, Jesus wanted his best boys with us. That's us, obviously. And uh, so we were up there just with him, just praying, you know, just, what can we say? We're really good at this spirituality thing. We've nailed it. That's probably how they would have responded, right? Because Sure, they couldn't get into the praying the way Jesus did, but at least, at least they, they kind of tried, and, and they want people to know. They want people to know, like, hey, I did it. Okay. I have here, I don't know if you can read this, but I, I've, I've, got, uh, I've got a prize here. It's a trophy. Um, if you can't read it, I, I took a picture it said, uh, I, I did the lettering myself, actually, on this. It says, uh, Yam Champ. Now, is there any, I'd like maybe four, any, any, any four kids, teens, want to have this trophy to display? Would you like, okay, come on up, yeah. If you're, which one is that? I can't, I, the lights are bright, so. I need at least... Don't, you'll be slightly embarrassed, but in the best way. Yes, come on up. Excellent. Right, yeah, come on up. Okay, yeah, you too. Oh, wait, no, just one of you. Jillian, you want to go? Yeah, bring in Jillian. All right. Zozo, that's fine. Okay. Now, this is, this, is, this is the Yam Champ Trophy. Okay? And in order to win the Yam Champ Trophy, you have to uh, be the best. The best at yam rolling. Okay? So every one of you, go grab a yam over there. Go grab a yam. We'll probably have to do this uh, down in the front here. Or you, yeah, everybody's going to do like a finishing line for you. Okay, so get, get your... Audrey, what up, dog? All right, go ahead. Put, your, uh, put your, your yams down there on the ground. Go ahead. See, it, all of you next to each other, okay? No, no, like the other way. Like, like oh my gosh. Bruh, the, the, the finish line's over there, okay? So, Great. Okay, now here's the rule. Here are the rules of the of the yam championship. Um, you have to get your yam over the finish line, but you may only use your nose to do it. Okay, so you're gonna have to nose that yam all the way to the finish line. And the first, here's the deal. This is all for all the marbles. We don't have a lot of time here. Okay, so. You will walk home with the Yam Champ Trophy, which you will treasure to the end of your days. If you're wondering, it says uh, congratulations on graduating underneath here. So if you've graduated, you could just tear that off. 
made in China. Of course it is. All right. Okay. Uh, so so get, get ready. Get in, your, get in your zone. And you can't use your hands. If I see you using your hands, you are disqualified. Okay. On your marks. Get set. Roll. Oh, yeah. That's good. Oh. Jillian, you're just busting him up, man. Come on. That's so pretty. <laughs> Zoe, good job giving up. That's awesome. Come on. I mean, what is this? I can't tell if you're cheating or not. Jillian. No, I don't want to try. That's why I'm making you do it. It's the last thing I want to do. Oh, okay. Oh, Drew. Drew, coming from behind. Go, buddy, go. Oh, my gosh. This is like the Kentucky Derby. This is a... Oh! Wow. No, no, you get to keep the M. Yeah. It's a part of your... You can, uh, you can eat that. I hereby pronounce you the all-time yam champion of Coast Bible Church. Congratulations, buddy. Now, did you notice um, how much like, like thought and care they put into the nosing of the yam as they were doing it? Yeah, me neither. They didn't care at all. In fact, they're only thinking about one thing, and that was grasping the prize to display to all, to show that I am the best at yams. And so as a result, I mean, you saw it was a disaster how they were, only Drew figured it out. The rest of them just, just as fast as we can, just get it over with. I just need to get the yam there so I can finally have the trophy I've always wanted my entire life. Is that exactly... <laughs> Isn't that exactly the type of prayer that Peter offers? He's like, oh yeah, Jesus, I'm, I'm with you, man. So he's laying down. He's like, Father, it looks like Jesus is having a rough go. Can you please be with him? And then later he's like, oh yeah, man, it's just all night, just, just praying. Interesting. Interesting how that works out for him. Well, at any rate, the second, the second thing in your note sheets is this, okay? There's, there's Jesus' prayer, which is full body. It's all in. Peter prayer checks a box. And if we do it right, it can make us look good in front of... And I'm, look, I'm not judging here because I do this all the time. I literally be like, because a lot of people are like, hey, Tom, can you pray for me? Like, so I go home. I'm like, I really want to play uh, this new Tiny Tina Wonderlands game on PS5, but I got to get some praying done first. Lord, you know the stuff. Um, Hit this one, this one, this one. Uh, Just, I trust you in Jesus' name, amen. All right. That's Peter prayer. And if Steve Kerr and our culture despises, if they saw me praying like that, that's what they think is going on. That's what they think we're all doing all the time. Now, get this, by the way. God still hears it. Uh, God, God, like, Peter prayer can, God does what God wants. If God wants to receive Peter prayer and say yes to it, great. But it's not good for us. Look at the difference between Peter prayer and Jesus prayer. Okay? 
Check this out at the end here. Look at how Jesus responds at the, after, an, after an, a, a staying up all night praying. What do you say? Now, uh, he came to the disciples. He finds them sleeping again. He says, hour is at hand. The Son of Man is betrayed. Listen to this. Get up. Let's go. Get up. Let's go. Jesus comes out of his prayer ready what? For action. He comes out of the prayer convinced he knows what God's asked of him. He knows what he's up to. He knows what God wants and God, and, and, and he's like, okay, as much as this isn't what I want, I'm ready to go because he's developed this, this intense connection with the Father through this full-bodied prayer. What happened to Peter? Do you remember Jesus says, pray that you may not come into the, the, the hour of trial, the time of trial. Peter did go into that time of trial. And what happened? He failed. If you remember, uh, when Jesus is being uh, crucified, Peter denies him three times. He's got plenty of sleep. He's rested. But he's spiritually anemic. He's spiritually dead. And so when, when, when the time comes, when action is required, when, when, when confidence and power and boldness are required, what does Peter do? He runs the other way. Because he checked the box, though, right? He said a few sentences. But the prayer didn't change him. Jesus goes into prayer, throwing himself on the ground, writhing in grief and anxiety, and he, and he comes up from prayer, get up, let's go. I'm ready to face this now. You see, the, the difference between us and Steve Kerr and all those who uh, are no more thoughts and prayers, no more thoughts and prayers, act, act, act. The, the difference between them and us is that we believe, and, and I believe we're right, that, that prayer is an opportunity for us to be deeply brought into union with God. That's what it can be. Sure, it can be checking a box. Sure, it can be. But what it can be, what it should what hopefully becomes is a deep and thick and robust connection to God. Jake, why don't you, uh, why don't you take the lights down? This is us. In a world that's, that's increasingly dark. Sure, we have um, the Spirit indwelling us. We have faith. But it seems a lot of the time like we're on our own. It seems like um, we flicker in and out. And it feels like uh, the darkness is ready to overwhelm us. Well, I submit to you that when that's happening, when that's where we are, that is exactly the moment when prayer is most important. When we recognize we're helpless. We don't know what to do. Because when we pray like Jesus prays, when our, our whole body and our whole spirit, all of our emotions, when everything is directed to the Father, when we, when we give ourselves to God like that in prayer, what happens? We get connected to the true light. We get connected to God himself. 
It's like we're being plugged in. What Steve Kerr doesn't understand is that when we're in deep prayer, it strengthens us, it fortifies us, it gets us reconnected to the God of the universe, the creator of all things. When we're deep into prayer, what happens to us is that we are opened to the Spirit. We're open to guidance. We're open to an understanding of what is yet to come. And we're given the power to face it. Steve Kerr says, do something! I ask you this. Has anybody, has anybody prayed? Like really prayed. Jesus prayed. Has anybody in power, he calls out uh, Mitch McConnell. Has anybody sat down and said, and thrown themselves into prayer and said, God, I don't know what to do. Lead me, show me. God, I'm weak, I'm helpless, but I believe you're not. Lead me, show me, strengthen me, fortify me. Lead me to action. I get the sense that no one's done that. But imagine what would happen if we did. I deeply grieve for the horror that goes on in this country. I do. But I believe that the solution has to start with prayer. It has to start with Jesus' prayer. If you're interested, maybe, maybe you're not a big prayer. Maybe, maybe you're like me. You're more, to, more of a Peter prayer. But, you, but you're hearing this and you're like, you're like, this sounds like something that could be life-changing. It will be. It is. And you're wondering how uh, to start, to get involved, to begin moving towards Jesus' prayer, away from Peter's prayer. We got two uh, prayer meetings during the week. One is on Tuesday evenings. It's here in the sanctuary with some of our greatest prayer warriors, warriors like Leah uh, Johnson, um, Rachel Koblenz, uh, Caden, I think, goes as well. These are people who are prayer, you're going to be embarrassed because they're way better at it than you are. But I promise you they'll, they'll bring you along. The other one, Thursday mornings uh, at, at uh, Scott Roberts' house, we have men's prayer breakfast. It's usually donuts and sharing. It's a, so it's like if, if, if you're here at prayer, this is like the first step. And eventually, if you get good enough at it, you can move uh, to the Tuesday night. That's a joke. All of the praying is good. Um, but we need to do this. We need to do this as a congregation. We need to do this as, as a society. Because the longer we have, no more thoughts and prayers, do something. The longer we have this dichotomy in between the, the work of prayer, the labor of coming and being connected to God, open to his spirit, empowered and fortified, and then moving into action, we have to bring those back together the way that Jesus did. And when we do, when we do, I believe, I believe that the, the things that confuse us, that weaken us, that, that destroy us, that, 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 that hold us back, I think those things are going to be wiped away because the power of God in the Spirit is going to do it. So if you are ready to move from Peter prayer to Jesus prayer, come, come. We'll do it together. And that's the last thing you know, Cheats. Jesus' prayer transforms us, ready for what comes and open to the guidance of the Spirit. Let's pray.
Gracious God and Father, we confess that as people, it's so easy to fall into Peter prayer, Lord. And we confess, God, that that's not a strong witness to the world, a world that wants to see change. But God, we know that you've called us, you've made us your own, you've turned us into your children, that you're listening, that you're ready for us to reach out with all of our body and mind and heart and soul, longing to be strengthened and fortified by you, longing to to see what you would have us do, longing to be put into action. God, may we be a church of prayer. And may the world be shocked. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.